Welcome to another Founder to Founder interview from Gun.io, your source for hiring world-class tech talent. Today, Gun.io's CEO and co-founder, Teja Yonamandra, sits down with Ian Villa, COO and Chief Product Officer of Whisper Aero, a world-class team of aviation experts creating cleaner, quieter, and more efficient electric propulsion systems. You know, for airplanes. Okay, here's Teja. So I think actually like moving from uh, San Francisco to Crossville is like a good place to start. So how did that like how did that go for you? And like what were your first impressions of Tennessee? I don't think ever in my life I I knew I was gonna move to Tennessee. <laughs> you know, I was born in Long Beach. I spent some time in Chicago as a kid. I grew up um, middle school, high school in Southern California, and then went to school in SF or Bay area. Um, and then had a small stint in Texas, but like never, never thought Tennessee, but the reason why we picked Tennessee was, you know, my co-founder Mark and I, we knew we wanted to start whisper and we knew we wanted to be as a hardware startup, have a lot of space, uh, be able to be in a state that was business friendly and sort of have as many advantages as possible to grow the business. Um, because you know, like you're set up to lose, like startups are not set up to win. Otherwise we would see startups popping up every single day, uh, growing into unicorns. That's just not the case. Yeah. Um, so Crossville was this happy accident where we were looking for spots all around the U S we looked at, at Texas, we looked in California, we looked in, um, North Carolina, Georgia, and Mark stumbled upon this old resort, uh, that, you know, look like a screaming deal and it's 20 acres. It's on a lake. It has a beach. It's got, you know, an 18 hole mini putt course and a bunch right. of space we knew we could use for testing. So Mark pulled the trigger. Um, I think sometime in 2020 purchased the place and then, you know, pandemic happened and we, we raised our seed ram and it was off to the races and turned that resort into basically whispers first secret lab. Um, during the pandemic. And the cool thing was because it was a resort, like the starting team, we hired everyone in, you know, various parts of the country, literally moved to, to, to Crossville. So the, the entry into Crossville pipeline for hardware engineers was really, really high and can, it is like much hotter now because of whisper. Uh, <laughs> but it, it just became this like really cool innovation proving ground where we, we could live, work, play the kind of future um, we're building. And honestly, the bonds that we forged across the team have been so strong because of, you know, being in Crossville. Yeah, totally. Just like the hang after work and just, you know, shooting the breeze like that's that's super important to build that report. Makes work easier too. Well, it's amazing when you wake up and then five minutes in, you're now in the lab, like working on something and you need oh, to take a break. And like two minutes, two minutes later, you're on a, you know, a beach at a lake. And then later in the day, you can go play beach volleyball. And then afterwards, you go grab a beer and you're like, wait a second, I, we have this like really good idea. And then next thing you know, it's like 2 a.m. in the lab and we're working on cool stuff. Yeah. That's sick. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the dream of like having a high performing, but also like a fun team just to constantly like grind with. That's 100%. 
that's like what every leadership team like aspires to be, you know? Uh, well, it's dangerous too, right? Like, you know, it could have, it could have blown up on us. Um, really? you know, when you, well, if, if you just think about it, like think about it objectively, you know, you're hiring people and they're now like living and working in the same place. Like if you don't hire people that are aligned and exhibit, you know, similar cultural values and our culture ads, all of that can like, you know, turn into a, a pretty tricky situation fast. But I think what we found was we had a lot of people that were motivated and aligned, not only from the technical perspective, but also just from a team building perspective early yeah. on. And then when you know, when you know, you have to not only work with them, but also like be their neighbor, uh, you find that like the the hiring process isn't, it, it's not just a thing you have to do. It is like the thing you have to do to guarantee, you know, your happiness yes. and, and like your well-being. And so it, it became this kind of like virtuous cycle for all of us. And we found that we, we were able to bring together a really awesome team. Like what, what was the hiring process like? Because to me, like, I would love if I could just stack my neighborhood with people that I work with. They probably wouldn't like it, but it'd be dope for me. So like, how, how did you, cause that's, I mean, maybe I'm just like not from San Francisco. So like, this seems, this culture is like way more common, like in the Bay area where like sure. you're living close together, you're hanging out, you're basically working 12, 16 hours a day together. That's like not, that's not how like the Southeast generally operates, like, like yeah. culturally, that's kind of like unfamiliar here. Like we're trying to bring it, but I remember one of my co-founders, he's like, he, he's living in Oakland, he's now in Finland. But I remember he came to visit nationally, he went to the National Entrepreneur Center. I'm like, there's nobody there at like 5.30 PM. He's like, what? when do people work here? Right? And I was like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, stuff has to get done. Um, <laughs> our, our interview process is not unlike what you'd find in the Bay Area, you know? Um, when we were building Whisper and like writing up the initial business plan, it was mission, vision, and then values of the company. And these cultural values continue today. There's 14 of them. It's on our job board. It's on our website. Um, and the cool thing about establishing that is it now provides you a really, like, a really great way to assess people's skills and their fit. And then also to align the work and the way that we work together, not just the, the end results, but how we get to the end results. Um, it allows us to align that and be reflective and, and use those um, as a way to, you know, grade ourselves. So, you know, when we were interviewing people and when we still interview people, we have these two phone screens, one that's focused on the cultural side, one that's focused on the tech side. We use those um, after, after both of those screens, put our heads together, try and see like, okay, is this someone that we could see ourselves working with that we feel, you know, is strong enough to bring in for an in-person interview? If that is the case, then we bring them in. Um, they have two to three, you know, separate interviews, like one on tech, one on culture, sometimes um, one on product or an associated area. Right. And then we have a jam session. So they get a, a project um, related to, you know, what they would be doing on the job. And, you know, we're not, it, these aren't easy. These aren't something that, you know, you can pick up and you can Google and this is the answer. Like they're meant to be challenging and oftentimes like impossible to solve in, in the time that you get. Um, 
but that's good because like a lot of the things we're doing are, are really challenging and we want to see people who are, are up for that challenge and are going to take, you know, their best shot at it. Um, and you find that people oftentimes, you know, the, the best jams that I've seen are the ones where, you know, we think that they're only going to kind of scratch the surface and then they go so deep and then we all learn something from it. And so, you know, from the, from, from all of that, the whole goal is like, we want a good sense of, can we work with this person across all of those different dimensions? And then similarly, like they should be leaving feeling good about, you know, whether or not they can work with us. Mm. Um, I, I guess maybe the biggest difference between how we do it and how you might do it in the Valley is uh, when you get a tour of the office, it's not just a bunch of desks and, you know, um, you know, snacks. But you actually get to see the hardware. Yeah. Um, we're not shy about spinning stuff up. It's like, look, you you got to see it to believe it. You got to hear it to believe it uh, or not hear it. Um, and, uh, you know, when we were at the resort, you know, you get a tour of the resort too. So when do you introduce like the concept of like, all right, like we're not only working together, but like, we're also going to live together. So I'm going to know exactly like what you do all the time. Like, <laughs> well, that, that was never the case. And like, to be clear, we're, we're no longer, you know, all living together, but you know, it's undeniable. I mean, upfront, even before people flew out, it's like, look, the team's out here in Crossville. <laughs> Like not gonna be shy about that. Like, here's a photo when we announce, um, you know, our seed raise. One of those photos made its way to our first article in Bloomberg. So there's no surprises. Like, you you Google us, you see a big resort in in the middle of Tennessee, um, and yeah, you, there's no point trying to shy away from it because no matter what, like they're gonna come on if they're a good candidate, they're gonna come on site and see it. So you might as well mention it up front. Um, and it's just part of the thing. And if you really want to be uh, a part of this team that's going to change the world, like you'll take the plunge. No doubt. Yeah, the people who are not comfortable with that will self-select out somewhere through the process. Through yeah, like, basically, we're like, yeah. Why did you guys decide not to go like the traditional, like you know, go to YC, do the seed? then do the A later. It seems like you guys just like took a seat, skipped the whole incubator stage and then went straight for the series A. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we had no pre-seed. Part of it was, you know, before Whisper, Mark and I were at Uber Elevate. Mark actually co-founded Uber Elevate and pitched the idea to TK. And then, um, you know, me, I was employee number seven there. Um, and it was it was literally the startup within the startup. And we were fighting for resources. Um, success, success, and survival is not guaranteed. No doubt. Yeah, right. It's like okay, we're we're uh, you know fulfilling rides. Um, we're serving you know deliveries through Uber Eats, and then flying cars. And we're, uh, okay, board. What do you think stays on the docket? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So so you know we had a pretty awesome run. And honestly, if you look at a capital efficiency perspective, if we could unravel the books, um, the amount of value, just marketing, forget forget the tech that we developed, marketing value alone relative to the spend, we were like consistently for, I think, three years in a row, the highest 
you know, positive, beneficial marketing comms, whatever for, for Uber and consistently like the lowest spend <laughs> compared to all the other groups, right? Like we weren't, there were no incentives that we were dishing out for, you know, eaters. There was no, you know, it, it was a really lean org. So anyways, we cut our teeth in that, that's startup environment. And then at the same time, you know, fast forward to 2020, when we were finally given the directive by the board to, you know, offload elevate, um, Mark and I had some serious conviction around what the future of aviation looked like. You know, Mark was the director of engineering. At that point, I was the head of strategy in all system simulation within uh, Uber Elevate. And what we had completed was we built this simulation system that combined billions of Uber trips, billions of non-Uber trips, you know, vehicle models, performance models, operations models, airspace, noise, weather, all into this holistic framework to peer into the future in any city around the world that Uber was operating in with any kind of vehicles that, you know, Uber Elevate wanted to operate in an air mobility context. And the thing that we found, no matter what city we looked at, no matter what kind of technology we were bringing to bear, is that people were still just, you know, these vehicles, they were still too noisy. Mm. If you wanted to get to a a solution, a product that people, everyone could use, right? That was closer to UberX or even Uber pool pricing. Um, you wouldn't be able to get it unless you could take off and land every single minute of every single hour of every single day. Interesting. Even, even the innovations that were coming out at the time, they still were too noisy. So our big what if was, you know, if you could develop this system, this propulsion system that was cleaner, quieter, more efficient than anything else, and also scaled for things as small as drones and as large as aircraft, you would win. Because, you know, in the history of flight, every big step change in flight was preceded by a step change in propulsion. So that's what we see ourselves as, this next generation propulsion company that paves the way to true, you know, electric air mobility at scale. For all use cases from drone delivery to cargo delivery to regional, um, you know, air mobility to, you know, next generation, uh, DOD, you know, drones and aircraft. Um, that's, that's really what was the kernel for whisper. And we had, we had so much conviction. We were already cutting our teeth at, at elevate. And it's like, why slow down? Let's, let's use this momentum and keep pushing harder. Gotcha. So. I, like, let me, I'm like barely holding on to this thread. I just like, it's so interesting. So basically you guys discovered that um, noise was like the key, I don't know, like constraint. Barrier to scale. Okay. And being able to scale usage of Elevate. And it, basically you guys believe that if you could actually make like air travel quieter, and more efficient and more efficient it could be more widely adopted and scaled to like every increment of usage so not just commercial but maybe like personal things like that for drones that's right like 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 the efficiency and the noise piece the reason why they're important is because ultimately those unlock the unit economics everybody wants right like 
like cool electric aviation technology. Awesome. You know, like my background's in aircraft design, engineering degree. Like you don't have to sell me on that, but what you have to sell everybody else on that doesn't, you know, care about air airplanes and really just cares about like, am I going to get my McDonald's chicken nuggets on time? Is the <laughs> fact that all of this is affordable, right? It, if, if we build all this stuff and it only works for the select few, um, the privileged few, we haven't we haven't really done a service for the world, right? And we had, we knew that we were in this really cool intersection point where we've seen the tech, we knew the market case. Not many people could say that they were in that unique intersection, and it's it's on us to put this together. And and like, if we don't do it, who else will? So that's why you know we push for Whisper. Um, I think incubators are great for a lot of founders that want to go out there and build something new. I think a big, a big part of building a successful startup is just figuring out the rules. And that's, that's what incubators help you do. Like you figure out the rules really quickly in a, in a really like challenging, but also concentrated environment. Um, Mark and I were just lucky to have Elevate, which was effectively our incubator that was non-dilutive. <laughs> right. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty sweet, right? Yes, that's true. And there's no control overhang into the yep. future. Yeah, cool. Um, awesome. So, like, so you guys met each other at Uber Elevate. Um, where were you based when when you were at Uber and NSF? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uber Elevate's team was based in SF. Um, I actually moved from LA to SF for the opportunity. Uh, prior to Uber, I was at Northrop Grumman's advanced design team. This is the team that, that designed B2, B21, X47B, like a bunch of the flying, flying, sneaky aircraft that you see out there or don't see. <laughs> and then Mark, Mark came from NASA. So he spent 32 years at NASA developing the tech. He is the godfather of electric aviation. Um, you know, Google him. He's got tons of, Papers, well-published. He's one of the authors of the Uber Elevate white paper that basically unlocked billions of dollars of funding into this urban air mobility space. Um, And he's, you know, one of the sharpest guys you'll ever meet. Um, You know, he he will still, um, in meetings, check you on, on, you know, engineering or, or technical analysis. And it's great. You need that kind of energy. What's that go down like? Most recently, like we uh, we were in an aero meeting looking at some CFD. Uh, there was like flow separation off the backside of, of something we've been looking at, and it just looked funny. Um, and it, if you if you didn't look at the flow results and you just looked at the end numbers, like the integrated, you know, um, are we are we generating the lift? Does the profile look right? right. Um, you know, you look at that graph and it's like, okay, I can maybe accept that. But if you look at the flow result, you know, and you had a sharp eye, you're like, that doesn't look right. And Mark was the first one to point that out in the room. Um, and so things like that, you know, just getting really in the weeds with the numbers. Um, all of us here at Whisper, you know, are, are pretty technically minded and we'll, we'll dive in deep. Um, and it's good to see that, you know, whether you're an engineer or a designer uh, or a technician, or you're all the way at the top. Like everybody has this like really firm 
um, metrics based mm. dedication and passion to getting the product right. Mm. How how have you sort of like adapted and grown in this environment? Because it seems like you were sort of more in the um, operational space at Uber Elevate and, you know, sort of working on the actual product uh, at Northrop Grumman. But now you're on a podcast, you're on Forbes 30 under 30. Like you're getting a lot of like shine and it seems like you're doing like a circuit like around media. I don't know. Um, how have you kind of like adapted to this new role? Because like your leadership now, right? Like it's part of your job to sell the mission, the vision, the story of the company. I want to caveat, like I've never, I've never fully hung up the, the technical piece of this. Uh, and especially, you know, when you pursue something like Whisper uh, in deep tech, in, in aviation, I think teams that don't have technical founders you've got a, a much tougher time. I won't say it's yeah. impossible, but I will yeah. say it's like, uh, makes it harder for me to bet on them. Yes. I've always had like a, a very entrepreneurial spirit. Like this, this came from, um, my upbringing, like my dad, uh, my dad and my mom, they weren't engineers. They were in finance and were really good with numbers. Um, and my dad, uh, was always, you know, he had his own business. And I think that kind of grittiness that comes with that, um, you know, helping him out as a kid, making cold calls. Like I, I made cold calls. I put reports together. I've woken up at like 5 a.m. to go to like a FedEx Kinko's and like wine these things and then get berated because like, you know, the print was off or like the, the, <laughs> the borders on your image were not right. As a kid, I was like, why am I doing this? Um, but, you know, over time, right? You, you pick up these skills and you realize why they're important. And yep. that entrepreneurial spirit plus like this love for just solving really tough challenges um, never went away. Um, so I guess like today, um, it doesn't feel like a shift. It just feels like a natural extension of where where I've wanted to bring this uh, or at least where I've wanted to bring my career. Um, and, you know, in college, I realized I wanted to be more focused on aviation than, you know, space. Um, and I knew that if I wanted to, you know, be an entrepreneur, entrepreneur in like aviation, um, I would need to cut my teeth a little bit more. I had a, you know, some failed efforts back in, in college too. And it just made me realize there's a whole lot of value in, in getting experience out in the world. Um, and I, after, after elevate, um, and seeing and building up those skills, not just in, in going zero to one on game changing technology, but also learning the legal side of things, the, the op side of things, the comm side of things, the marketing side of things. Um, that gave me a lot more confidence to actually go step out with Mark and, and make Whisper a reality. Um, and, you know, along the way, I've, I've also just been given great opportunities to still strengthen my technical skills. So, you know, um, Northup's advanced design team, that was super technical. Right. We were, we were designing next generation airplanes coming up with, uh, different design schemes to actually optimize, uh, and design, you know, aircraft and engines at the same time for brand new kinds of missions. Then when I joined Uber, you know, I was, I was leading our aircraft partnerships, helped bring in Boeing, Bell, Embraer, Toyota, Joby into the fold. 
which it's not it's not just a BD play like that's, that's a part of it but it really came down to like can we assess what they're building do we have conviction around you know whether this will meet our missions um and kind of like what the the air force does when they're they're looking to acquire an airplane like they have a team assessing does that actually meet our needs and so within uber that's kind of like what we were doing i was able to like even further expand um the aircraft design tool chest and then towards the end of that um stepped away from like pure aircraft design to actually look at software so i was leading you know software engineers data scientists product analysts operations folks to really figure out how do we actually solve uh, the future of mobility how do we go to market um and so that that gave me a much stronger background in products in operations uh, in software design um which you know has just continued to strengthen the tech side while also um getting the experience and context for for what makes a startup and how you grow and scale that startup mm. what's what's your impression of like the tech ecosystem here in Nashville um very med tech um yeah very med tech i think um it's really connected in ways that like a california isn't connected right like you you think about california and startup culture in california it's like sf la like silicon beach whatever that means Um, (laughs) yeah 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 like like, i I still like kind of cringe at the word um (laughs) or the phrase but tennessee when you look at the tennessee startup ecosystem you see the state in a very targeted fashion investing and then connecting all of these different hubs, whether it's Chattanooga or Knoxville or Nashville, um, Johnson City, Memphis. Like there are targeted efforts here and the state to their credit through, you know, the economic and community development, um, you know, commission launched Tennessee. Like they are. Um, taking an active role in gluing all of this. And so I think what you'll find over the next few years is this tipping point where the, the, the combined efforts of all this creates a really awesome space to catalyze, um, you know, a startup of all different kinds, right? Like Knoxville, Crossville, right? We yeah. can pull on, you know, Oak Ridge National Lab and a lot yep. of manufacturing stuff that's there. There's a lot of like really awesome precision manufacturing jobs that have come to the state because of companies like Nissan and Ford and GM, uh, Denso. Um, and, and so, you know, there's a base of med tech. There's this collective kind of experience. And over time, we're going to keep growing that till I think Tennessee is going to look really, really exciting. Have you, have you built like a good network here in Nashville? It's like, like of local peeps. I think so. But, um, that's the thing where like, I think the state has been focused on, on connecting the cities, And I think within the cities, like it could use a little bit of infusion of that energy from, from like SF, you know, like you go to SF and, and because people are always like talking about their startup or, you know, what's the latest AGI, like, you know, thing that you've tried out, like, there's that energy that just kind of like is, is, is viral and catches on that, you know, in, in Nashville hasn't necessarily happened yet. So I'm still finding connections. I'm still getting connected to new people every single week. Um, and it's refreshing. Um, 
and I, like there's no way <laughs> there's no way I can like have a new conversation every single day um but I I think like kind of like what I was saying before we're rising up as a as a state in the context of like American entrepreneurship American dynamism even um and so I think as more people realize that there are entrepreneurs here that are making an impact um the strength of that network and the connectivity of that network uh, is going to get even, you know, stronger. Yeah, totally. We need something like an art basil here, you know? Yeah, some, totally. You know, some excuse for people like who work elsewhere to fly here and just have fun and like have these spontaneous business interactions, you know? Um, Launch Tennessee has definitely been trying with that, right? Yeah. <laughs> The entrepreneurship or innovation week earlier in the year, and then they have the, the entrepreneurship kind of thing, 3686 festival yep. um, towards the latter half of the year. I think those to me feel like really awesome moments to gravitate around. Um, I think also just, you know, there's been more and more VC interest in the city. No doubt. Uh, I, I've been surprised in, in the few months that I've been in Nashville, the amount of people that have come up and said, hey, like, have you heard so-and-so is thinking of moving to town? I mean, I, I, I literally just talked to um, Steve at Plug and Play. Uh, Steve Goats, I think. Um, yep. They're thinking of setting up a, a, not thinking of, they are setting up a presence here in Tennessee and are, are looking at like where they actually want to plant their flags. Maybe it's one, maybe it's multiple. Um, you know, that VC interest in having outposts here, um, that too will add to the, the gravitational pull. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited about it. I mean, at least like from like a founder's perspective, it's like, there's a difference in access to capital, what that does to valuation, what that does to the level of ambition that companies have. And then like the downstream impact on like the talent that's here and like the whole like pace of the city. So like, I think we need a couple of more like, iterations over the next couple of years but we'll get there i agree with yeah, you. yeah 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 i i don't think it's just like iterations of startups i mean that's certainly part of it um but a friend of mine um uh he said that is you know the the one way we really get like nashville and tennessee on the map is if you know we get more unicorns here right? yes you know yes. uh when when people are having this conversation of like where am I going to set up a uh, their startup, you know, Nashville isn't top of the list. Let's let's just be honest. Yeah, like there's SF, there's LA, there's New York, there's Miami, and then after that, people start to consider other outposts. But it's always in the context of like, well, I could go there, but like, what else will they provide? Like, are there incentives? Are there other things? And the incentives are great. But like, if you can, if you can establish a baseline where, you know, they would want to move here regardless of the incentives, that's how you know you set up um, something for success. And I think the reason why people want to go to these areas um, is because there's a track record of other successes, right? Um, and so it, it's kind of on all of us, right, to be pushing and uplifting each other right. to get to uh, a really kind of fertile ground. And, uh, you know, a legacy of examples of startups that have like really succeeded um, as a proof point for other, you know, entrepreneurs on their journey. Yeah. Well said. I mean, look at Seattle. Like what a random city. 
know? Like, yeah. Microsoft, Amazon, like talk about yeah. Starbucks. I mean, then Starbucks. Yeah, a ton of other companies. Yeah. So what's next for Whisper? That's a great question. So the first two years of the company was based on, we were really focused on just proving out the tech. Uh, we had this idea of, you know, how you could achieve cleaner, quieter, more efficient thrust, how you can move some of the tones that you would hear typically up and away from like human hearing into the ultrasonic. We proved that that works. The next thing we went and did was then we scaled it up. Um, like we, we flew that, the 10 pound thruster through the air, but now we need to scale it up. Mm. We'd already done that successful. Um, so, you know, going into next year, we're planning on taking that thruster and actually, um, you know, putting it onto a much bigger vehicle. I uh, can't say too much more outside of that, but yeah, uh, right. re- really excited to prove that out. We also, um, towards the latter half of this year, uh, showcased the leaf blower. So it was kind of this happy accident, but we on it, it was on the, the product roadmap even from the beginning of a leaf blower. And the key unlock there is like, even if you're a cleaner, quieter, more efficient, can you produce these at, at scale? Yeah. Uh, and we knew it was possible, but we didn't know how soon we would get there. Yeah. Uh, but it turns out it's, it's sooner than you think. So um, we are now working on trying to figure out how we're going to go to market with that. We have a prototype and we've been in talks with some really, um, you know, big companies there. And we're excited to be able to, to find a, you know, the right partner to, to bring that to life. Um, and then outside of that, I don't know if I can say much more, but, uh, we've got some really, we've got some much more exciting, um, I guess, expansion pathways for the tech. Um, there's the DOD side, there's the, you know, commercial non-aviation side, and then there's this aviation space we're continuing to, to look at, um, we announced this initiative called Reconnectin, focused on regionally connecting um, all parts of Tennessee through regional air mobility. Um, and this has been a collaboration with, you know, TDOT, um, Tennessee uh, Economic and Community Development, um, but also players outside of Tennessee like Reliable Robotics, JSX, who is a part, you know, Part One Thirty Five uh, regional air carrier. Um, and a number of other, you know, folks in the state uh, to make this a reality, to make regional air mobility a reality. And on our side, as far as what we're doing, we're, now that we've proven up the, proven out the higher thrust applications, um, I think you'll start to see, you'll start to see um, experiments or, or proof of concepts, I should say. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm being really careful with my words. I, I don't know. No, it's all good. Yeah, I was surprised. <laughs> like, I was like, I mean, you probably were under clearance at Northrop Grumman. I was like, I wonder if that that is allowed to be said. <laughs> it's not. It's not. Okay. You know, well, I mean, people, a lot of people have clearances, but the things we worked on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Can't say. No doubt. Um, cool, man. Well, where can people find you and your company on the interwebs? You can find me on LinkedIn. Um this is really weird. I don't think anyone's ever like stated their LinkedIn. LinkedIn.com slash IN slash It's one word. Look it up. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. My handles uh, at Ian and then two underscores. Billa. Someone took the single underscore and the no underscore. So annoying. Dude. 
I'm sure you're the Ian villain that's doing the most. So, we're trying. We're trying. Um, for Whisper, you know, we're on Twitter, we're on LinkedIn, or we're on X, sorry, we're on LinkedIn. You can go to our website. We got a lot of cool stuff there too. Yeah, and we'll be releasing more stuff. So um, we, we are big believers in showing, not telling. Um, we do have some pretty awesome renders, but, um, you know, that's not, that's not what we try and put in the forefront. Um, and when you see videos of our tech, it is, there's values there. You know, we're not, we're not covering up our tests with, you know, music or Muzak or <laughs> it, it is, it is the real tech and, uh, it only, it only sounds better when you hear it in real life. That's awesome. Dude, we're so privileged to have you guys in the state. Uh, Thanks for having me, you know, yeah. on this. And like, yeah, you know, we're, we're all doing our part to make Tennessee bigger and better. Totally. Ah, man, it's like this is the best part of the job, honestly, is to get to talk to cool people that are doing some dope shit. So thanks for your time today, man. Right on. Right on. You're listening to the Founder to Founder podcast powered by Gun.io's Frontier Network. We release a new episode every Thursday morning, so be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you stream your music. Please leave us a review and share with your friends. You can follow us online at The Frontier Pod or drop us a line at team at gun.io to get in touch about hiring world-class tech talent. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast, produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to Gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast, and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.